Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we've got Matt McChesney back again. Uh, former CU Buff, current owner of Six Zero Strength and Fitness, meaning he trains a bunch of current Buffs, um, a, a bunch of the top recruits in the state, on some pro guys too. Um, knows a lot about football, and we're excited to have you back, Matt, to talk more about the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, it was it was a, a kind of a dark talk last week after they lost thirty to zero to Minnesota. You feeling better or worse after what you saw against Arizona State? Um, I, first of all, Henry, my man, how are you? Um, buff, buff nation out there. Keep your chins up. Uh, you know, they need your support now more than ever. Um, look, man, I, I can't sit here and cover up my disappointment and disgust. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Now, all that said, um, I think that they are right on the precipice of turning it around mm-hmm. as a whole. I, just, I don't think that, look, there's offensive problems that have to be fixed, obviously. But with the amount of youth they have on the team, with Mustafa Johnson coming back this week, I'm hoping that the offense can support the defense enough for them to look like just an, an average middle of the road team that can just, you know, score 14 points, 20 mm-hmm. points. Like I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm mad at myself, brother, because I have never in my life been this wrong about a group. Like, like I was here. Like I, I really, really truly believed. And we talked about this at length, bro that they were going to be a eight, nine win team with a very multiple offense that allowed them to put an immense amount of pressure on the defensive uh, teams that they, they play and allow this defense in turn to go just, you know, batshit crazy out there and, and eat because what the offense was going to do now Obviously, brother, that didn't fucking happen, and it's not happening. So, um, do I feel better or worse? I feel, I feel, I feel about the same. Honestly, I, I can't sit here and say I feel good. I don't. That's fair. I, I think that that's probably about right. Uh, I like that you brought up that that maybe they're on the precipice of turning things around. I do think that the offensive performance was 
better against Arizona State than Minnesota, but going going from like a, I mean, an, an F to a to D a minus, D plus? like what, is that like D flat? Exactly, exactly. Like it's not like it's a big enough difference that you're really getting excited about things, but we do know what this defense can do. And obviously like what happened happened, but there's also oh, a world where Terrence Lang doesn't get called for two penalties to extend touchdown drives. And then all of a sudden you knock 14 points off the final score. And we're talking 21, 13, maybe you catch a couple breaks. Maybe there's a turnover somewhere. I, I don't know that one. At least it did feel like, I don't, I don't know that I can even say like they belonged on the same field, but it wasn't quite as bad though. It was still really, really bad. Um, and the good news is that against Minnesota or, or sorry, against USC, you're going to be seeing a team that other teams have been able to run on. And the offensive line still is going to need to, to step up to be able to make that happen. But when you look at the path for Colorado winning games going forward, I think that path is you've got to be able to run for 200, 250 yards, find a way to, pick up a hundred yards in the passing game and then put together a stellar defensive performance. And I unequivocally agree with you on this, Henry, like if if we're going to look at this season as not a complete disaster and wash, and we're not quitting because inside my chest where my heart beats, I can't do that shit. I can't Mm -hmm. quit. I can't, I can't do it in life. Like, you know, I've, I just got divorced and like, I'm struggling with that shit hardcore. Cause I'm not a quitter. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I'm looking at this, like, I think that I don't think there's a whole lot of difference from a talent perspective with what they have at Arizona state and what they have in Boulder. But I think the gap at the quarterback position is so inc- incredibly drastic with everyone else in the pac 12 and then us. And that includes Arizona. And that includes yep. you know, certain schools that you would think were in a better position than. So the step-by-step philosophy that they have, you know, after talking to the coaches this week, I've got, I think, 12 or 13 guys going up Saturday for recruiting visits. I'm going to be there. I'm not taking my boys this weekend. Uh, Lawrence Vickers is flying in Thursday night. We're going down on the sideline. We've got passes. We're going down there. So literally every single guy that walks out of that tunnel pregame has to look at me and 17. And we're going to get where we are going to be in their face and on their ass in a very productive manner, getting them ready to fucking play this game and smash USC in the face. And if that, if, if, if that's what it takes, you need a little bit of dash of madness from LV and I, that's why we're there. And that's what we were when we played together at CU back in the day. We were, we were, he was a junior when I was a senior. And then when he wore that C on his chest the next year, he was that emotional leader. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, the guys that I know personally, I've already spoke to them and they're hurt. They're hurt. And when you're hurt, I'm not talking about physical pain. I'm talking about emotional pain and embarrassments from what they're putting on the field. And I know damn well that Lamon and Wells and Casey Roddick and Wiley and Pell and Lynch and all these fucking guys who are up there giving their all on a daily basis, they are going to come, they are going to be the most, the most fired up team in the country on Saturday to go out there and play this football game. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're going to go off offensively and score a bunch of points. There's absolutely nothing to give me any kind of like any kind of uh, faith that that's going to happen. There's no evidence to back that up whatsoever. So me saying that would just be some fanboy bullshit. And we don't do that, Henry. We don't do the fanboy bullshit. So it's going to, it's going to come down to being able to hone their emotion correctly in this football game and really take it out on another team that, I mean, retrospectively, they might be in a worse position than we are. They can score points, but, the, I mean, what's happening at USC right now is just an unequivocal fucking disaster. So if we're going to take advantage of this, it has got to happen right now. Yep, and, and exactly. It does have to happen right now for a bunch of reasons. Um, the big one to me is that, you know, talking about winning the Pac-12 South at this point feels kind of crazy. But, but my policy is you're alive until you're not alive. And they're 0-1 in the Pac-12. 
You go 0-2, well, then you're kind of screwed when it comes to playing the no, Pac-12 South. No, this is a must win. Yeah, it's absolutely a must win. Because if they don't win, then it's – I don't want to say it's time to start talking about next season. Um, but you are talking about, you know, what 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 is next for this offense? You're trying to look for things to build on moving into next season, not so much trying to fix them right now. This is kind of the last chance to get things figured out for this season. And the good news is, you know, if, if they are able to break whatever it is, a 15-game losing streak to USC, never beat them before, hey, well, you've got a bye week next week, a, a chance to figure things out, and then you've got Arizona after that. And that's not saying I expect them to go beat USC because, like you said, expecting them to put up, you know, 14 points at this point is a lot to ask. There's things that you look at and say, hey, I do think that they, on paper, should be able to run on this team. This is also an offense that is two weeks removed from putting up negative 19 rushing yards. And so saying you expect them to run enough to, to win this game would be crazy. But it is it, it is a USC team that, that's in a, a, a rough position. with, with and, and, uh, Arizona State's a better defensive team than SC. And we, yep. we ran the ball okay yeah i mean not great by any means but they ran the ball effectively i, I thought that Fontenot stepped mm-hmm. uh stepped in and really did a good job i mean they, he was gashing them broussard looked like he had a couple cutbacks there especially in the second half um i don't know what the rushing totals totals were but they looked way more proficient this week than they did last hopefully we can move the pocket i honestly i would love to see brandon lewis carry the ball 15 20 times yeah, I mean, with it, because then it's eleven on eleven quarterback power, quarterback counter, quarterback run game, and it's not like we're trying to keep him healthy to throw the ball. We can't throw the fucking ball. So, mm-hmm. uh, looking at the rest of the South here, this is this is as I thought last week was a must win, and I still believed it, and I believe it now, even though they got hammered. Mm-hmm. This is this game and the Arizona game are the season. Mm-hmm. If they don't win these two football games, and they're not sitting at that would put him at what three and three, yeah. That would put him at three and three and respectable and a, a, a chance to to overcome this adversity and this hole they put themselves in. And then after the Arizona game, what do they have? But they go Oregon, Cal, or is it Cal, Oregon? Actually, UCLA. I think it's Cal, Oregon. Cal, Oregon, UCLA, right? Yep. So you know, then that Cal game becomes the must win, and and the season flips quick. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sitting here trying to just beat the I believe in the buffs drum, but I can't help the fact that I believe in them. And I be- I believe in their in their small number of seniors. And look, this excuse that's now being thrown around, and I'm saying excuse, and I truly believe it, that they're too young. My senior year in 04, I was the only defensive starter that was a senior on the entire unit. We only had one other senior on the entire unit, Brandon Dabdu, who was our backup nose tackle. So I was the only senior, and we we found a way to win eight games. So I that I think that is a is a very slippery slope. A lot of these kids are coming back from an extra COVID year, so they're not really as young as they say they are. That's the that's an, a loser's excuse, in my opinion. And if it's coming from CU, I, I don't like it. Uh, they're there to play college football. I don't give a shit how old they are. Because if they were winning, they'd be like, oh, wow, look at the youthful exuberance they have in Boulder. All these guys are so young. They're flying around. They don't know any different, right? So I just I feel like that's a very slippery slope. And it kind of plays into this whole big problem that we have in Boulder where we're – I mean, let's be fucking real, bro. It's a culture of losing right now. Mm-hmm. And that is the that is the kind of excuse driven bullshit I think that only feeds into that culture more. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, on top of that, like the sensitivity that you hear from from coaches in press conferences and the sensitivity that you may gather or gain or hear from the players when they're in that position. And you you see this more than I do because you're up there interviewing them all the time. I mean, look, as an ex player, I understand. It, no one likes to be criticized and shit. How do you do? You feel like they're handling all that correctly? I'm not asking you to throw anyone under the bus, but it goes into that entire philosophy of 
we either have a foundation and a, and a culture of winning where we can overcome little things like this, or we have a foundation that's cracked mm-hmm. and we, you know, we, we essentially are, are trying to rebuild, uh, you know, a, 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 a modular or a, or a, a, a trailer in a trailer park after a fucking, after a, a hurricane or a tornado, yeah. you have no foundation. There's no basement. There's nothing to rebuild on. So in your opinion, Henry, are they, is this, is this just feeding into this perpetual cycle of, yeah, we're almost there. We're getting better. Cause I, that bro, that's the same shit we've been hearing since 2016. Yep. I, I do think that they're probably handling the media the right way. Um, you know, it's, I mean, there's just nothing that's going to sound good at this point, you know, the, there, there's, the there's, there's no exactly. And, 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 you know, I think that Carl has probably protected Darren Cheverini a little bit. Um, How does that help us then? I, I, but again, then you have to think what happens if he says Darren Cheverini has done a terrible job so far this season. Well, then it just causes more problems in the room. And well, I think that, is Carl, that in your opinion, is that causing problems because we're not, as a, as a man and as a coach, and I'm not calling anybody out here. The fact that I even have to apologize before I say what I'm about to say is ridiculous. But is that a situation where a grown ass man, professional coach, I know he's a college coach, but this is his profession. He's a professional coach. Mm-hmm. We have to accommodate his feelings when they're dead fucking last in division one football in every category when it comes to offense and I sent you that stat today. What are we, 122nd out of 122 or some crazy shit like that? 130 out of 130, but basically, yeah. 130 yeah. out of 130 for, for, for college quarterback QBR. Mm-hmm. So if he were to come on and say, look, the, the offense has been atrocious and it falls on Darren Shiverini, who's our mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, and it also falls on me and it also mm-hmm. falls on Lewis, and this is not acceptable. And I'm as much to blame as DC is to blame as Brendan Lewis is to blame. But sitting here acting like we can't just say that is the entire goddamn problem, in my opinion. Yeah. And I do think that that is being said to each other. Um, and Darren Cheverini even said today, uh, and so I'll tease this too. You know, we talked to Darren Cheverini for about 10 minutes today. First time we've talked to him in probably two, three weeks. It's like a rotation of coaches who go through there and it was his turn. Um, so check out that. That'll be the next podcast in your uh, DMVR Buffs podcast feed where we recap all of the media availabilities from this week because they wrapped up today. Uh, I'll also include audio of that so people can listen to themselves for, for themselves. Um, but one of the things that Darren Cheverini did say was, you know, Carl can tell me things straight to my face and it isn't going to hurt my feelings because we get that this is just kind of where things are. And I think that Carl, he's, he's, he's tried to keep things a little bit positive um, when it comes to the media um, and say, you know, we're building, um, we're, we're trying to fix things. There's problems that need to be fixed. And it was actually something because I was out in uh, Arizona last week with Adam Monster Tiger, Brian Howell, who also covered the bus. And right. The conversation we had is like, is this the one where he just flips the script and goes negative and starts just saying, like kind of throwing guys under the bus. And, and that's well, not really Carl's MO with the media. He, he kind of like plays the media is like, uh, say what you got to say, move along. We'll handle our stuff behind closed doors. And I do think that they're saying things back there. Um, and I don't mind that approach. I mean, for me as somebody in the media, I'd, I'd love to have a, 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 maybe I'm open is the word, like maybe be a little bit more open, share a little bit more of your feelings with us. But I do understand the, the perspective of saying like, hey, things are ugly. I don't need to add fuel to the fire by going beyond telling the people in this room that they're ugly and just fanning the flames. At the same time, there's a lot of people who are upset that, that they haven't been more harsh um, saying, you know, Brendan Lewis, it's just unacceptable. Like the, the, they've, they've walked a fine line is what I'd say. They've said oh. Brendan Lewis does need to get better and, and he isn't where he needs to be, but it's been with the spin of, we are going to, to build on him and try to get that forward. It's, it's a fine line. Let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Let's say they go out SC and they score 40 points. I would be happy here to them taking shit, but let's I say would, it happened. I would probably pass and out of surprise. I, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty pumped. 
at that point, is it just going to be overly positive and look at all the work we put in? So I, I mean, this is this is kind of my my entire mm-hmm. question on this situation is you can't cover up the fact that we're not playing well and we're mm-hmm. not just not playing well we're playing terrible mm-hmm. so that that's it's undeniable and mm-hmm. the more that we try and sugarcoat it so we don't you know have a breakdown from a mental standpoint with the coaches and the players because it's too negative mm-hmm. i mean what the hell are we talking about man like it, it's mm-hmm. At some point, there has to be a nuclear eruption in that room, yep. or this is this is this is the the same cycle of we have because we have the talent to be successful. It's not as if we do not. I've heard I've heard a lot of the narrative of like, Darrell's John Embry 2.0. Embo, you know, for as much as he tried to to do things correctly here, that man literally had zero support and no time to do anything correctly, and no players, none. They, it was the, the barest I've ever seen in the University of Colorado at that point. So, But his first recruiting class, the one the guys he brought in ended up being the team that won the Big 12 title in 2016. I mean, that's a fact. Those yeah. kids with Tedrick and... Cheeto and Jimmy Gilbert and all those dudes and Seppo and everybody that was that was that was EB and Embo's class that they brought in that was the framework of it essentially <laughs> so I'm if the culture is perpetually on this cycle of excuse making lose excuse making lose excuse making lose and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings I don't have a damn clue how we're ever going to break this cycle of craziness. And then on top of that, why would anybody want to go anywhere from a player perspective or a coaching perspective? Why would you want to be at a place that is always on the hamster wheel, just chasing its own ass instead of being, you know, in a situation where they're always moving forward to go get better. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that is where we're at. We're on this fucking hamster wheel where we can't even accept the fact that we suck. And we have to yeah. like guard against people's insecurity because we're terrible. If we were middle of the road, Henry, and we were being overly critical, that would be totally different, dog. Mm-hmm. But look up the stats for the buffs and tell me how many categories we're dead fucking last in the country in on it's the bad. offensive side of the ball. Yeah. We're so bad offensively, it's making a relatively good defense look shitty. Seriously. Like it is I making mean, it look real. shitty. Like it's thirty to zero is not the way. The potential, yes, yeah. that that defense has the potential to be as good as any unit in the country. Mm-hmm. They have they have dudes at every level, and they can really get after you if you support them. And we are so bad offensively, we're making them look shitty, and that's yep. that's hard to do. That is really hard to do. Most teams have the ability to lean on their defense in situations like this and not beat themselves. CU can't even figure out a way offensively to not beat themselves and eliminate mistakes. They're a walking mistake. So, again, why the fuck do we have to guard against people's feelings? Because of the transfer portal? I guess, yeah, that's part of it. I mean, why are so many kids jumping in the transfer portal right now at CU? Why do you think? I don't know. So, they're both defensive linemen. And that was the part that kind of surprised me. Um, I mean, obviously, the reason they're jumping in the transfer portal is because things aren't going well. But it does seem like the defensive linemen, like, if, if, if for some reason Brendan Rice said, I'm going to the transfer portal, you'd be like, yeah, because you're not getting the ball thrown to you. It's going to look bad. How are you going to make it to the next level? But when you look at, like, Blaine Toll, who did he really expect that this season he was going to be a part of the rotation? Like, because I think that that would have been unrealistic. And you look at next year when, you know, Terrence Lang is gone. Mustafa is going to be gone. Um, who knows? Maybe even Jalen saw me. We'll see. But the fact that they're defensive players has surprised me a little bit. And I get that it would be really frustrating to not have offensive support and, and that sort of thing. But it throws me off. And, and some people have said uh, that it's because Mustafa Johnson is back and playing 
and and that's what's forcing him to transfer. But that doesn't make sense either because they, if they transfer right now, they can't play this season anyway. And Mustafa's yeah, gone next year anyway. Sense. That doesn't make any sense. That's no. that's that's ridiculous. Yep. So look, the the transfer portal stuff I think plays into things have changed and the coaches aren't nice and no one's scratching my back every day when they recruited me. Everything was so nice and everyone was so cool and the campus is beautiful and all this other bullshit that doesn't mean anything. So now there's expectations and knowing Coach Wilson and the way they coach and what their expectations are, I'd imagine that they are they are in the business of running off guys who aren't supposed to be there. Probably. So every time I see every time I see a kid go to the transfer portal, I'm like, cool. Deuces. Yep. Get that's, the fuck out. That's kind of where I'm at too. I, I'm we not. Don't want, we, it, we don't fuck them. We don't need them. And that's like that's got to be the way it is now because. We can only ride with those who want to go stand on the wall and fight with us. And and obviously these kids don't want to put in the work it's going to take to do it. And that sucks for them. That's not a bad thing for CU. That's the way people have to understand this. Kids that want to transfer, peace. Yep. And and on top of that, I mean, I think that we're in this like maybe five-year period. Who knows? Maybe it's like eight years with the transfer portal where – there's going to be a lot of movement. And I think after this, whatever time length period, less than 10 years, I think coaches are going to have numbers on all of this that, that say like, you don't really want to do this because you look at both of those two and nothing against Blaine Toll or Lloyd Murray, but well, they're good players. Yeah. But, but if you're, if you're somebody who is a, whatever mid three star prospect and you go for a year or two years to whatever power five school and you don't really do much on the field. I think the odds of you winding up at another power five school are slim. I think that you just expect to get kind of knocked down at least to the G five level, because we see that the, the transfer portal is just overstocked and, and we're There's way too many people in it. Way too the many. The transfer portal is hammered. Now, like it is, it is tippy top. Mm-hmm. So Mar- Marcus McElroy from CSU went to the transfer portal today. The Mullen running back, like in the middle of the season. And that's, uh, that's the thing that's killing too. me. Like, how? What are these guys thinking about? Who is giving these kids advice? Uh-huh. Like, who is saying like you should leave in the middle of the season? What if, like, God forbid, what if there's like three big time injuries in Boulder on the D line, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden this kid's starting? I know, and and that's the thing is like I think five years down the line or eight years or ten years or whatever it is, coaches are going to be able to say, hey, look, since this started, like. 20% or I think it's probably like about half of the players who enter the transfer portal wind up with another FBS option. And I think that probably at least two thirds of those wind up going G five from a power five school. And I think that when you have those stats to say like, Hey, this transfer portal isn't all that it's chalked up to be. Then that's when you start to see kids be a little bit more hesitant. I think, I mean, what it, it works for quarterbacks and for, for graduate trans, graduate transfer yep. guys really well yep. that are established. It works for quarterbacks pretty well too, but I mean, I, it's really, really tough for the regular transfer kids. Mm-hmm. I think you, it, to be successful, you either have to be a quarterback, a grad transfer, somebody who's like a, a top half of the league starter um, at your position. You got to be a dude, man. You can't yep. just be some scrub. You're ta- you're trying to take some other guy's mm-hmm. job. So I don't think transferring is necessarily the right thing to do when you're in a position where you're constantly developing. I mean, everybody in Boulder is in a developmental role because every college football player is a developmental player. It's not like the NFL where you're asking for a release. That's pretty much what this is. Yeah. This, this is, this is kids literally walking away from scholarship money and their future. And I'm like sitting here scratching my head, like what in the Sam hell are we, what are you thinking about, dude? I know. It's crazy to me. Like, yep. You're, you're who, and my question to them would be very simple. Who are you? Exactly. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? No offense to you, like your delicate sensibility or anything, but like, you must think you're really, really, really special if you can just do this kind of shit. And like, I've got, I've got nothing against Akil Jones. Seems like a great guy, 
but at the same time, like what he was a he was a starting Pac-12 linebacker last year, and now he's at the University of the Incarnate Word Word Word, whatever. Nobody knows what that school that? is, and I don't think that this was a situation where he said, "I I want out of here." And I don't have anything to back that up, really. But it seems more like it was just kind of time for the program to keep moving forward. But but that's what happens when you're a, a, a starting linebacker for CU. You wind up there. Like, the transfer portal is not a good decision nine times out of ten. And I mean, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. know that yet. Well, it, it's the grass is not always greener. Like, no. Sometimes that, there's not it, even it, any so, other grass. Again, like, now he's playing on concrete. So... Like the, this kid goes from a Pac-12 linebacker, but he's not a bad player. I thought he was pretty mm-hmm. good, to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, to not having an opportunity at all playing at the Incarnate Bird. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, dog. That obviously that's a that's a uh, uh, a problem with judgment there. That's not a good look, dude. Mm-hmm. So the transfer portal is a very, very slippery slope. And especially today with the social media world, the way it is and the way people are always like, Oh, well, that didn't work. Fuck it. And they just completely wash it and move on to the next thing. There's no commitment to the developmental part of this. And in my opinion, the process and the struggle is kind of the prize. It's not kind of, it is the prize. Mm -hmm. And until they, they find the kids in Boulder that actually want to be part of the rebuild, instead of them just thinking that they're going to win because they're at CU, they're, this is going to be a continuous problem that has been already a continuous problem. Yep. I agree. I agree. I do think, though, that the transfer portal won't be as big of a problem in just a few years once it's once people realize how terrible the outcomes have been. Um, but just to, before, before we take a quick break, you know, you brought up like when, when does the coaching staff, you know, just go nu- nuclear. And I think that the answer to me is after the USC game um, for a bunch of different reasons. First of all, because you, you have like this three game stretch in my mind, you're officially out of PAC 12 contention. Um, although again, like I'm not saying the buffs are in contention right now. It's just that they technically are until they lose another game. Um, and then on top of that, from you're going, a math perspective, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, also you're going into your bye week And I think that if, if you're making big structure after the USC game is where you, uh, you, you expect, you expect to see some things. And if the tone doesn't change, I think that's where you start to get, I mean, it, it doesn't make much sense, honestly. Well, look, look, man, if they go out and lay an egg in this game, God forbid, and it is not productive mm-hmm. and they look bad, they, I, I need improvement, but I need a W. They need a W. The coaches need a W. Everybody needs a W. If that doesn't happen, the next week leading into the bye and then leading into Arizona, oh, boy, it is going to be hell on earth on that field. Like, if I'm the coach, we're in full pads the whole fucking time. And we are getting down. And I want to see who really wants to be here or not. I don't care if I have to play the same 22 guys on both sides of the ball. If it's 22 dudes that actually want to be here and part of the solution. Mm-hmm. So you exactly. know, that goes for the fan. It goes for the fan base and the, and the and the media and everyone else that's involved as well. Like, we all know it's bad. We all know we can be as negative as humanly possible and get away with it right now and have every right to be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what what are the ideas in the media to actually fix the goddamn problem? Mm-hmm. How do we find players that actually want to be part of the solution? You know, from mm-hmm. a recruiting standpoint, are we identifying the right kind of kid? Did mm-hmm. you see that that uh, story about USC? How they were they recruit kids and like the coaches would call the uh, the two four seven guys and the rivals guys and be like, look, we're recruiting this kid and I we you know, we offered him, so I need you to make him a four-star. Did you see that? Oh, crazy really? Shit? Really? I didn't like see that. that. The kid's not a four-star talent, but when he gets recruited by SC or Ohio State or some of these other big-time places, all of a sudden he's that four-star kid after the coach makes a phone call just to validate in his Rolodex for the next mm-hmm. job when he gets fired from this, from whatever he was doing, because mm-hmm. that's some common man shit right there. 
so he can get the next job and go, oh, look how many four-star kids I bagged. Yep. And, and I mean, we so talked that, about this before. Recruiting rankings. Come on. There, there's some value to recruiting rankings, but it's not, it's not a whole lot. Like at the end of the day, you do need to have guys who are really big and really fast and really strong. And that's what the recruiting rankings favor. Although there's flaws in those rankings as well. But at the end of the day, you just need good football players. And there's a lot of them out there. I mean, you look at like Tim Patrick with the Broncos right now. No, he was, he was undrafted. You know, he wasn't somebody everybody was excited about. And now you look at what he does and he's what he's put up seven catches at least every week to this point. He is a number one receiver in the NFL. He is that kind of player, but because he wasn't big and strong and fast, he wasn't, he wasn't highly drafted, which is the same thing as highly recruited. And, and then I want to, I want to ask you this question mm-hmm. before we go to break here. And I want you to think about it while you're doing the read. Okay. Why are we selective with Jordan Worthington? The last time we threw a walk-on quarterback to the Wolves, it wasn't on scholarship. That guy's name was Joe Klatt. He threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns in a 42-35 win on national TV mm-hmm. and was the player of the, of the week in the entire country, not on scholarship as a walk-on quarterback. So if we're literally looking for someone that can play the position, I placed Worthington up there. He's got a fucking cannon. I don't know if he can play the position or make decisions faster than Lewis. But when you're dead last in the country in total QBR, I, he can do that. I agree. I, and, I think Worthington can be dead last in the country in total QBR. So, this like we're guarding every young quarterback but Lewis. What are we talking about up in Boulder? So I want to, I want to get your thoughts on that shit after the read. Let's do it. Uh, but first, I want to remind you guys that if you're having a tough time. Turn to Breckenridge Brewery. They, uh, they will help you ease the pain. They make so many great beers. Um, and they uh, gave us a bunch of free beers, which you should come get from us on Saturday before the USC game. Um, I'll be up there at 9 a.m. at our tailgate. It's a tailgate with all buffs, uh, north side of Farron Field. Uh, they're making some breakfast. They've got, like, mixed drinks, too. We've got a bunch of beer. And we're just going to be hanging out for a couple hours before kickoff. Um, I've got some friends coming up too. It's going to be a good time. Uh, if you're not headed up there, make sure that you uh, check out the DMVR bar. It's a great place to watch the game. You can get Breckenridge beers there and Breckenridge beers, really all that we've cracked them up to be They're, um, Let's see. I mean, they've got the strawberry sky, the avalanche amber ale. A lot of people really like that vanilla Porter. Um, so many good beers, such good people. It's a local company um, that has done hard work to get their beers starting to, to spread across. I think they're in what, like 30 states now? It's pretty crazy. Um, but we love supporting local companies. They love supporting us. And so the least you could do is support them and buy some of those beers. Uh, you can use the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you exactly where to go to pick up those beers. Also, Solace Meds. Solace Meds has four locations across Colorado, um, one in Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one that's actually right next to the uh, DMVR bar on East Colfax. This month, Solace Meds has some great deals. Uh, the Can America gummies are 25% off. Strains tinctures are 20% off. Rocking cartridges are 25% off. And Glacier concentrates are 20% off. Plus, if you use the code DMVR20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. And that's after you take advantage of those other deals. So if you want to pick up the Can America gummies at 25% off, then use that code DMVR20 to get another 20% off. You can do that. Uh, it's a great option. Definitely order online at solacemeds.com um, and, and enter that code. It'll be right there for you to pick it up. Super convenient. And uh, they're one of our favorite partners. So get online or head to one of their four locations, get the best customer service and 20% off your purchase. Also quickly, I remind you guys, if it's time to get your teeth cleaned, head out to Green Mountain Dental. Green Mountain Dental is conveniently located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood. It's a family-owned dentistry. They're huge Colorado sports fans. And if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. They're great people. They do great work. And it's a great toothbrush you can pick up for free. So definitely get in on that. All right. So on Jordan, Jordan Wolverton, I think, uh, 
I mean, it's all he's he's on the list, but he's next up behind Drew Carter. Before I get upset about not seeing Jordan Wolverton, after you upset that I'm not seeing Drew Carter. Um, and I'm upset we're not seeing Drew Carter. Uh, I'm not upset. I'm not upset about it at all. I just it doesn't make like, sense. If we're just throwing if we're throwing cost into the wind here, let's just fucking play everybody, right? Exactly. And <sighs> you know, m- my thought is. Uh, we've seen we've seen Brendan Lewis. We know what Brendan Lewis is, and I do think that between right now and week thirteen at the end of the year, if you play him every single snap, he will get better. We just haven't seen enough though to justify doing that. Um, I think that from what we've seen, I honestly don't have much faith in him to to be able to go beat USC, even with the way that USC is playing. Um, and you know, my my thought at this point, and it's honestly been my thought for three weeks now, is. Yeah, Brendan Lewis is your starter. You think he's your best option to win games, which they clearly do if they're running him out there week after week after week. The difference can't be that wide. So you, as soon as you go back-to-back three and outs, maybe is the line, that's when you throw Drew Carter in for a series. And, and if Drew Carter looks terrible and he throws a pick or does whatever, he becomes Brendan Lewis then yeah, you can, you can bench him again and go back to Brendan. You can try Jordan Wolverton, do something. But if you go back-to-back three and outs, things aren't working in the first quarter. At this point, you've got to give somebody else a chance to pop, even if you don't think it's going to happen because you know that it's not going to happen with Brendan Lewis at this point. Okay, so if Lewis is dead last in total QBR in the country, mm-hmm. how bad does Carter have to be if he can't get on the field? I mean, like, am I, mean, I wrong? But does that mean that? I would be ahead of him on the depth chart? Because well, it seems like that just, might mean I would be ahead of him on the depth chart. Let's just think about it like this, Henry. Let's remove the their college kids bullshit. Okay. Okay, because I thought NIL and the business of football, I thought that like that's where we were headed. But we're still in like we're still in preschool land where we have to guard people's feelings and God forbid anybody hears that we're criticizing young athletes. Ooh, like they can't handle the criticism. I'm sure they can handle the fucking praise if they were doing well, but they can't handle the, the, the cold part of it. They just want the nice warm blanket. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's what they, that's the way it is, but that's the way that the culture is. So I, I Put them in a professional atmosphere like it's the National Football League. How bad does your backup have to be if your starter is this awful and he still doesn't play? Really, 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 really bad. Again, or, it doesn't make or, sense to me. Or, or unprepared. Which one? Which is worse at this point? Just being physically bad? Or being as unprepared as they are, which I mean, come on, we know the answer know. to that question, don't we? It's crazy. It's crazy. And you know, my thing with Brendan at this point is like, like we talk about like one read quarterbacks, like guys who you're like, okay, we can't expect him to like read the entire field. He's like, he's kind of like a zero read quarterback at this point, which is, I, I think, a term that I just came up with. Um, he snaps, he snaps the ball and holds it. And then we have a play that goes for zero <laughs> or negative yards. So he's yeah, batting like you are, six, you're correct. Zero Reed Lewis. Yes. He's batting like 600 on making the right decisions on read oh. options. Like <laughs> it's, God. it's just, it's just, a, and I, again, I would be, be fair, as discouraged as I am if they had a way to try and fix the shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you're telling me Matt Lynch couldn't play quarterback better than this. And that's the tough part. I mean, come on. We think back to the UCLA game last year when Sam Neuer scores like 21 quick points and the next drive, they put Tyler Lytle in the game for a series. And everybody's like, well, what are you doing? And Carl says, well, we wanted to get him some reps. We said that we get him some reps, but, but if that decision just makes it make even less sense to have not just thrown Drew Carter in for a series at some point. All right, so I'm going to use another throwback here, okay? Okay. The inability for the offense to acclimate to the situation, too, from a scheme perspective, is also bothering me. In 2002, we had a really, really good football team, and we ended up winning the North, and we were ranked all year. We lost Oklahoma in Norman. We lost Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. Really close games. 
Um, we had a really good team coming off of a Big 12 title the year before. We lost uh, our starting, you know, we lost our starting quarterback, Craig Oaks, mm-hmm. at, at the beginning of the year. And then he ended up transferring because he felt like he was disrespected in a in a team prayer, which I thought was the softest bullshit in the history of Colorado, Colorado football. Like, everybody else was like, oh, Craig, good luck. And I was like, nah, fuck that. You're quitting on us. Go to Montana. And I, I still, that about I still you. don't like him. I don't yeah. like him. Like, I, I thought it was a real bitch move. Uh-huh. Regardless of how you want to frame the shit, it was, he quit on us in the middle of a very productive season. And we went to Robert Hodge. And, Rob, like, I'm not talking shit about Rob. He was a great player for us, great leader. But he was more of a runner than a, than a passer. Like, he, he struggled mm-hmm. throwing the ball consistently. But he could get it running. And he was smart. And he and people rallied around him. We had a good offensive line, not a great one. We lost Victor Rogers. We lost Andre Gerard. You know, we lost Dan Graham, but we had Wayne Lucier and Justin Bates, and they weren't as good as a one, but they were really good and established. And obviously, we had the Big 12 Player of the Year in Chris Brown. Well, we got the fucking Pac-12 Player of the Year in Jacare Broussard, so I don't want to hear that we can't be productive. So my question is, when are we going to acclimate the offense and line up our multiple tight ends and get fucking smash mouth and put backs in the backfield and run a fullback and run and and run the ball 75% of the time vertically down people's throat instead of trying to run, you know, like zone schemes with a 340-pound guard like Casey Braddock and huge off the huge tackles that maybe don't do outside zone the best. But they can damn sure line up and double team a bitch and move them vertically. So at what point again, Henry, like, do we look at it and go, we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole right now, and this ain't fucking porno. So you can't just stuff the shit in there. We gotta like have a fucking plan. Mm-hmm. So again, brother, like you have the coaching staff, Coach Barnett and Coach Hagan and, and Coach Watson and everybody else, they acclimated at that time, E B and Imbo. We've got to change shit. We don't have Oaks anymore. What do we do? And they acclimated and it worked. And you know what improved tenfold? Because we started running the ball with with Hodge. Our play action looks. Yeah. Because they had to put eight guys in the box. And I think we have the personnel to run the football if we can do it, if we can do it in a manner that is conducive to our personnel and our fit. And right, I'm not saying the plan at the beginning of the year was bad. Mm-hmm. We do not have the quarterback to execute Shiverini's offense. So we can either continue to do the insanity of the same thing over and over and over again, or we can change the scheme in the offense and get more smash mouth and acclimate. If they can run the ball for 300 yards in Colorado Springs with the quarterback, they can't flick a booger 10 feet. Brother, we can we can do it in Boulder too. Yep. Um, and the other thing is, you know, they're going up against eight man boxes right now anyway. Exactly. So you might as well 100%. throw those tight ends in there. It's not like they're expecting well. the pass because you're throwing eleven personnel on the field. And then every time we throw the ball, they heat us up because they know he's holding it and he struggles with the progression reads, and he knows he has to get it out fast, and that shit ain't happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. So it, it I, I just don't see how you can't change it now. Like, I don't see how you can't line up. And this will be the perfect week to do it. Absolutely. USC couldn't, can't stop a nosebleed on the ground, dog. Yep. I, I watched the Oregon State game, every snap of it. I wanted to see what we were going to be up against. And they, bro, they lined up in 21 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel with multiple move tight ends. And they assaulted the edges with, like, sweeps and jet and 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 reverses and and things of that nature they threw a couple of screens and they ran the ball straight down their throat the entire game and and, and they crushed them over 300 rushing yards crushed them henry crushed them and again so you're that's telling why... me we can't line up and Folsom and abuse the fuck out of these people i i i've, I've held back my thoughts on like this USC game, because I, I honestly do think that Colorado has a real chance to win this game as crazy as it sounds after what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Like I they're can't going to win. They don't have a chance. Dog. They're going to win. 
I love that. I love that you said that. But yeah, I mean, you just look at the way the, these matchups work out. And I think you have to love them. We haven't talked much about what happens when USC has the ball, but Mustafa Johnson is back. And you look at what they want to do defensively. They want to go man. And that's going to be a challenge with Drake London out there. That's a first round draft pick. Keaton Slovis, he hasn't quite lived up to the hype, but preseason first round draft pick, we'll see what happens. That's a good quarterback. You want they, to they go man dudes, across the no board. Yeah, you, you, you leave Mark Perry maybe deep over top of Drake London just to help out with whoever. I think it sounds like Drake only lines up on Christian Gonzalez's side of the field, so we're going to be seeing a lot of that matchup. Um, Brian Howe was telling me that he talked to Makai yesterday, and he's trying to convince the coaches to, to let them flip sides a little bit because he wants a shot at Drake London too, so we'll see if that happens. First, how much do you love hearing that? You have to love hearing um, that Kai Blackman wants to go against the number one receiver and is talking to coaches, trying to change the assignment so he gets to do that. I, I dig it. I love the confidence mm-hmm. because I think our defense has real swag, and I think there's mm-hmm. really good players on it. Consequently, I think our offense has some swag, too. Yep. I saw it last year. They line up and – like the, the bludgeoning that they did in, in Palo Alto last year against Stanford, mm-hmm. the way they bludgeoned US, UCLA – that wasn't because we could throw the ball down the field. That yeah. was swag. That was attitude, knowing you could do it. The fact that the that the secondary is as confident as they are, it's Coach Wilson and that and you know mm-hmm. Coach Martin and the and those coaches rubbing off on these kids. And even though they've lost and they've looked bad doing it, I still think that they know they're pretty good. Yep. And and, and now they could be pretty good. So I, I love that shit, man. I want more of it, honestly. And this defense now, I mean, Keaton Slovis is a pocket passer. You're not going up against Jaden Daniels this week. You're just getting to pin your ears back and go after the guy. And who's going after him? That's that's Jalen Sami and Terrence Lang and Mustafa Johnson and Carson, Carson. Wells and Guy Thomas. You can send uh, you him know, on blitzes up the middle. Guy's really impressed the shit out of me too, Henry. Mm-hmm. You got to say, like, yep. one has really brought it. He has. But I, I, I'm hoping we get more of the Texas A&M defense that's not just, I mean, if you look at it, like, I feel like halftime of Minnesota, the defense, like, took a breath and said, like, what the hell is going on, man? Mm-hmm. And they just, they didn't recover. Like, they, I don't even think they still, like, it happened to them again in the fourth quarter of the Arizona State game. They got to the point where they were just like, Jesus. Like, how much do we have to do? And they gave up 14 points in the fourth quarter, and it looked worse than it was. That was a 14-10 game at halftime. Yeah. And you got to so, think, like, imagine being Christian Gonzalez. And, and you go through those first two games of the season, you're scrolling through Twitter, and everything you're seeing is, oh, my goodness, Colorado has two lockdown corners. This might be the best defensive league. Uh, I'm going up to him and interviewing him saying, like, so what's it what's it like now? Like, feeling like a number one corner, knowing that that – you're you're not going to see many targets because people are going to get some. And and those are the yep. questions he's being asked. And now for two weeks, it's been, oh, I'm getting on Twitter. Look what I see. The oh, these the, the buffs are yeah. garbage. This is the worst team we've ever had. I'm selling my tickets. After where we were a couple of weeks ago, where all anybody wants to do is praise those cornerbacks, praise that and center, praise the defense. And the results were the same in both circumstances. Yep. So a, a lot, and look, I don't think Texas a and is as good as they were all hyped up to be either. That's the way this works. So, look, the only consistent is tomorrow we get to do it again. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, as a player. So as they get closer to game day and the buildup to actually executing all these things and being physical in the run game and not turning the ball over and, being able to execute some of the things that they're putting in specifically for SC on offense and defense. If they do not go out and try and control the time of possession and get creative in how they're running the ball from a scheme perspective, I haven't seen double pull counters since they ran it against UNC. If they can't figure out a way to complete five-yard hitch routes with off coverage, if they can't figure out a way to complete screens, when they know the defense is going to fucking heat them up, they don't deserve to win. Exactly. So, so offensively, they've got to figure this out. So they're in a position to support a very good defense that wants to do nothing but support a struggling offense. Mm-hmm. So 
everything everybody's got to play hand in hand here and i look usc is a team in turmoil with a ton of talent on it cu's a team in turmoil with some talent on it and a lot of young guys who really want to win they're not lacking leadership at the top if anything they're all just waiting for it to fucking pop and i, I really think that it's just a matter of when that happens it's going to be a, it's going to look very similar to oregon state because the oregon state's been struggling for a long time and now they're sitting at three and one and they're gutting people offensively and they look like the system that they put in place is starting to take them vertical so I think it'll be the same kind of turnaround with CU. The only problem is we've seen this for how many years, with the exception of COVID, have they started in a position to be bowl eligible and shit the bed? So it's, are they just doing it in reverse this year? It's, I mean, that's what you got to hope for, right? That this like is this shit is the bed at the beginning of the year and figure it out. Yeah. And again, this is kind of the week for that. If you're going to get things figured out, you're going to have to steal some wins against good teams at this point because you didn't capitalize on on like the Minnesota game, for example. Um, and USC, that's by, a beatable team way, that before the season, a lot of people were saying this is just an L. Um, Minnesota and, lost to Bowling Green. Ugh, we don't, oh, that's such a dark place to be in. But I don't know. It's This is the week. And and you talked Bowling about, you know. Bowling Green, Henry. <sighs> When was the last time they'd won a game? We don't need oh God, that's Who bad. Cares? God is bad. But I think like you talked about, you got to find the guys that want to be out there. The 22 guys be on the field. And I think that if you lose against USC, and especially if it looks the way these last couple games have looked, that's where Carl really does just say after the game, you know what? We do need to find those guys. All these starters, guess what? They might not have their spots next week. And that goes hands and yeah. hand in hand with all these different things where again. If you don't win this game, first of all, you're kind of out of contention anyway. And no, it's that's over. why on the podcast, over. yeah, uh, on the podcast, we start talking about what does this mean for next year? Because the season kind of is over. And that means that when the season kind of is over, you don't worry too much about, uh, you know, if, you know, no, I'll, I'll pick Jalen Sami because I think he's a guy that has held up well and has shown that he cares and without throwing anybody on the bus. You know, if, if he's one of those guys where it's like, you know what? We're going to throw him on the bench just to prove a point. Although I don't think he'd be the one that you do it for just so we can throw somebody else in there. You're not too concerned about losing out on, on his production in these games because in a sense, they do kind of become meaningless because you're not in contention anymore. Well, I will say this. I don't think it's effort. And that's one thing I'm very proud of as, as a, an ex player is, they are playing hard as hell. That defense, they are selling out Nate and Carson and and, and Jalen and Lang. And I mean, Lang's yeah. playing hurt. They are, they're holding each other accountable and they are playing super, 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 super hard. So I, I don't really think that, I don't really think that it's an effort problem. I think it's more of a just execution problem. So the, I guess the question that has to be answered, and I'll leave you with this, can they execute and can they change enough in order to be successful and beat USC this weekend? And I, I think they can. This is the time to get them. The SC is struggling, and it's, it's time to whip that ass, and I think Steve beats them and bolts them. I love it. I love it. You know what? I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. If Oregon State can run all over this team and beat them 42 to 28. Trust them. Because, again, I mean – is Colorado going to drop 42? I would be shocked. But can they put up 24? And can that defense hold USC to 20? I think that that is very possible. And I think that this defense is overdue to force some turnovers too. That's the one thing it hasn't been able to do, and it's too good not to get those. I mean, that, that whole like uh, law of averages thing, that's not really real. But this is one of those situations where at some point you're due to finally get those to come through for you. Um, getting rid of a couple of those penalties. That's the difference between holding that Arizona state team to what they put up 30, 35, 35. You get that down to like 28 or 21, something like that. I, I do think that it can happen. And a lot of it is just execution up front offensively. And you just need those guys to make their blocks. 
because they're consistently like just about every one of them getting blown by once every six, seven plays. And when that happens for four or five guys, so that's a lot of plays that get blown up in the backfield. And and, and I, I think we have the ability to do that as well. Again, we move vertically. So we saw it I, last I year. We'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, on Saturday. But last year they dodged us. We didn't get an opportunity to play SC. And the year before we had them on the ropes. We've had SC on the ropes for five or six years in a row right now. So mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I really do believe that we'll win. It's not just my fanboy side talking. So go bust. We'll put it like I, that. I love it. I was trying to find the the odds on Colorado winning this game straight up, but I can't find them. You got to think it's, that's got. It's like negative 600 or something like that. Okay. Okay. So I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> right. good talk we'll uh we'll do this again next week you know it, brother awesome 